and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. We have been studying about forgiveness recently. Um, and it's such an important topic in God's Word. It's such an important part of life. You see forgiveness from cover to cover in the Bible. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you see forgiveness being a big part of what God's Word has to talk about. Forgiveness is so central to everything that we do. It's central to the new birth. It's central to salvation. It's central to the life that we continue to live, to our fellowship with God. The forgiveness that we've enjoyed from God is central to our walk. And the forgiveness that we are to walk with is also so key in our lives. Forgiveness has such an impact on us. And our willingness to forgive others is a great key to our well-being. It's a great key to our emotional, our mental, and even our physical well-being. I came across this, um, and I thought, that you'd like to hear it. This is from John Hopkins Medicine. John Hopkins, one of the leading um, medical institutions in the world. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Swartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at the John Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger puts you into a fight-or-flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes, then, increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Isn't that interesting? So, Physically, there's a whole, whole array of benefits or harm that we enjoy or don't enjoy depending on our willingness to forgive. How much of a forgiving heart, how much of a forgiving attitude we have in life. So then, if forgiveness does such good for us, if it's such a wonderful benefit, why do some people have such a hard time forgiving? Why are people, so many people, unwilling to forgive in different situations? We're going to look at some of those reasons this morning. 
some of the reasons why people have a hard time forgiving and how we can get past it with the help of God. The other night I, spoke, I taught about King David and how he was willing to forgive in spite of all that Saul had done. And one of the reasons that people do have a hard time forgiving is because they mistake forgiveness for condoning or accepting something. They make the mistake of thinking that if you forgive, then you're saying that that's something that's all right to do. That if I forgive some behavior, some sin, that then I'm saying that that sin is all right. But that's not the case. David didn't accept Saul's wrong attitudes, his wrong actions. When Saul was out trying to kill David, David didn't just let him kill him. He didn't feel like he had to allow that. But he never raised a hand against Saul. Instead, he trusted God to take care of him. And then he forgave Saul. When Saul was killed himself, David forgave him and only spoke about the good that Saul had done. Jesus Christ, we also looked at the other night, when that woman that was taken in adultery was brought to him, he did not condemn her and, by his wise answer, you know, kept others from condemning her as well. But he also didn't condone what she had done. His refusal to condemn didn't mean that he was condoning what she did. He told her to go and sin no more. But he was willing to forgive. To forgive is not to condone. It's to simply be willing to forgive. To be willing to forgive so people can get back on the right track. We won't take the time to look at it this morning, but 2 Corinthians, the entire epistle has a lot to speak about being able to forgive and move on. 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, there's many, many different actions, things that were going on in Corinth that are reproved in that epistle. Paul reproves them for doing lots of things, and some of those things are just outrageous to us. And then in 2 Corinthians, a lot of that deals with being able to forgive those that had done those things, so that they weren't swallowed up in too much grief, so that they were able to get on and move beyond that and not just overcome by that sorrow, that godly sorrow that they were experiencing. So when we understand those things, when we understand that it's not condoning, we can forgive. Another reason why people have a hard time forgiving is because they feel hurt by what someone's done and they just have a hard time getting over that hurt. The natural reaction when you're hurt is to kind of strike back. If right now, I literally slapped you in the face, what would you want to do? Hit me back. Some might say just cry, but some of you would want to hit me back. 
Because that's the natural reaction. When you're hurt, you want to strike back. It's just built within man. It's built within man. The two natural reactions is to want to strike back, and number two, to defend yourself against further hurt. So people retaliate, and people, they protect themselves. You know, back in the day when nations fought against nations and they were being attacked, if they were strong enough, they'd endeavor to attack back. But what did they used to do all the time as a city when they felt threatened or hurt by other cities? They built a wall. That's right. They built a wall. They built a wall around that city to protect themselves. A wall to defend against being attacked and hurt again. People do that. People build walls around their heart. Because they think that to do that will keep them from being hurt again. And those walls can get really strong and really thick and impenetrable. And they feel like they have to always remember that hurt so that they aren't hurt again. But holding on to that hurt never helps them to get past it. Instead, it just allows bitterness to come in. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. It's a trick. Building walls, holding on to that hurt is a trick. No one ever gets better, no one ever gets over the hurt by holding on to the hurt. They only become bitter. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 14... It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, root of what? Bitterness, Bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We're warned against a root of bitterness springing up. That's what happens. It can grow. It grows. You hold on to a hurt, and it turns into bitterness. One of the definitions of bitterness is not allowing a wound to heal. It's like you get hurt, you get a wound, and every time it starts to heal, you just open up that wound again. That's what people do. Instead of letting go of that hurt, every time they just replay it in their mind, every time they dwell on it, they experience that hurt all over again. But each time they do, instead of getting past it, instead of it healing, this bitterness just grows up with it. This root of bitterness that can grow, and that bitterness can just end up affecting everything in their life. We saw how it can affect a person physically, and how it can just lead to a whole slew of physical problems. But what it does emotionally into the heart is even worse. What it does to that person inside and how it affects their other relationships in life, that's even worse. It can poison every relationship that they have or might have if they allow it to. 
That's why Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to get rid of it. Turn to Ephesians 4. You cannot get rid of hurt by holding on to the hurt. If you want to get rid of it, let it go. Let it go. Whatever it is that you think is worth holding on to, let it go. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you from you with all malice. And all of those other things listed in that verse all accompany that bitterness. When somebody is bitter, they are angry. They are filled with wrath. They will speak evil. They will work in some way to retaliate with their words. They're hurt, so they'll look to hurt others with their words. But God says to just let it all go. Another reason why people have a hard time forgiving and letting it go is that they feel that the person does not deserve to be forgiven. Look at Luke chapter 15. They feel that people just don't deserve to be forgiven. In Luke 15, we won't read the whole record here because I want to cover some other ones. But it's that wonderful story, that wonderful parable about the prodigal son, or more accurately, the forgiving father. And most of you know the story, that you have that guy who one day decides that, you know, life on the farm's kind of boring. He wants to go hit the big city. He wants to enjoy all of his wealth while he's young and live it up. So he asks his father to give him the inheritance that is due him while he's still young rather than wait until he dies. And that he gets it, and then he goes off to a far city, and boy, he just lives it up. You know, he wastes his substance in riotous living. He's out there partying, he's out there having a great time, you know, he's hitting the casinos, he's drinking, he's carousing, he's doing all that stuff. That's what riotous living is, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and then he blows all his money, and all of a sudden, there's an economic downturn. <gasps> all of a sudden, there's a famine in that land. And now he's really in hard times. And so he takes, you know, the only job that he can get, he's, he's taking care of the pigs, which is just the lowest of the low. And he's just eating the same slop that he's feeding to the pigs. That's what he's living off of. And he's starving to death, and he comes to himself, and, and you know, he says, what's going on? What am I doing? You know, there's all kinds of people working for my father, servants of them, of my father, and they've got full bellies and more to spare, and here I am perishing for hunger. So he decides he's going to go home. He's going to go home. And he's going to apologize to his father. And he's going to tell him how wrong he was. And that he's not worthy to be his son. But if his father would just allow him to work for him, he'd be so thankful, so appreciative of it. 
And so he gets there, and before he even has a chance to do all that, his father runs out to him. His father runs out to him with open arms and welcomes him. His father just hugs him, and his father forgives him. His father is forgiving. His brother, not so much. His brother has a hard time forgiving, and that's where we'll pick it up in verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. There was a party going on. They had a big barbecue, right? Killed that fatted calf, had a big barbecue, called the neighbors. Big party, big celebration, because that son that was lost came home. And he, that brother, called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Hey, what's going on? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful? Your brother's home. He's back. He's safe and sound. Everybody was so worried about him. We knew that there was a famine where he went. You know, we didn't know what became of him. And he was just so happy to hear that news in verse 28. No, he wasn't. And he was angry and would not go in. He's mad, and he's not going into that party. You know, he can't get over this. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. When his father hears about it, he comes out and, you know, come on, come on in. You know, there's a party. You should celebrate with us. Verse 29. And he answering said to his father, Lo, look, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. I never went against your word. I never did anything wrong. I was always the obedient son. I was always the good son. I stayed here and worked hard. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, a goat, you know, had a fatty calf killed that I might make merry with my friends. You never threw a party for me. But as soon as thou, this thy son, was come, your son, you know, it's like when the parent says, you know, do you know what your son did? You know, I'm not claiming him. you know what your son did? Not my brother. You know, your son did. Which hath devoured thy living with harlots. See, I told you. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. This was not just in his mind, was it? No. This was not fair. This was not right. People have an, in, an innate sense of justice. We do. It's an, an innate sense of justice. It talks about that in Romans chapter 1, right? You know, that even, even the unbelievers had that law within themselves. And you recognize it real early, really quick with kids, you know. That's not fair. I knew a kid that used to say that all the time. That's not fair. <laughs> well, that's how this son felt. That's not fair. He knew what his brother had done, how his brother had done all this wrong, while he had done everything right. And so he did not feel that that brother should be forgiven. He did not feel that he deserved to have the former, his former place restored, because that's what the father did. 
that father forgave him. That father didn't just say, okay, yeah, you can, you can work for me. Yeah, you can be like one of my servants, you know. There's an empty bunk in the bunkhouse. You can, you know, throw, throw your stuff down there and work hard in the field. No, his father, he, you know, put the robe upon him, the signet ring. He restored him to his former estate. That's what forgiveness is. It's not like, well, yeah, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'll never let you forget it, you know. Yeah, I'll forgive you, but, you know, your name's Mud in my book now. No. To forgive, it's to forgive. It's to restore them to their former estate. This son, he felt that wasn't fair. People always feel that God's not fair when it comes to this stuff. What? You mean I could get born again and labor for the Lord my whole life and this other guy, he could get born again and just continue to live like the devil and we're both going to heaven? That's not fair. Well, you're right, it's not. You're right, it's not. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. This son didn't deserve to be forgiven. It was a gift. It was a gift. The father goes on to say, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. You know, if you ever wanted a... a, a Party? You could have had a party any time. You wanted a barbecue? We would have done that any time you wanted. Right? You always had this. You not leaving meant that you always enjoyed all of what we had. There's a difference, isn't there? Was the son that left enjoying all that the father had when he was eating the slop that he was feeding to the pigs and starving? No. Did he suffer consequences for his actions? Yes. yes. Does the person who doesn't live for God after they get born again enjoy the same benefits that the one that does? No, no not now, and, and they won't have the rewards in heaven that the one who does either. But still, that's not the case. Here, he didn't enjoy what the father had, the one that was there did, but when he came back to the father, the father was forgiving and gave to him all that he had. It was meet, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. <clears throat> if you feel that people don't be need, deserve to be forgiven when they've done something wrong, and if somebody hurts you, if you feel they don't deserve to be forgiven, in most cases you're right. <laughs> in most cases you're right. They don't deserve it. The trespass is a debt that has not been repaid. It is a debt that has not been repaid. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You know, how much, how long do I have to put up with this? How many times does the, do I have to forgive somebody that does the same thing over and over and over again? You know, they don't just do it once. They do it again and again and again. Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? Some of us, you know, yeah, I'll forgive you this time. Yeah, I'll forgive you that time. 
Okay, how many times are you going to do this? Uh, you know, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> Seven? Is that the limit? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 70 times seven. 490 times, right? Remember that one. 490, that's the limit. Yep. Probably some people that would do that, you know, have a little ledger. Check it off. Okay. We'll, we'll just put down the different things you do wrong, and I'll, you know, I've got 490 spaces, and once that's filled, you're out of here, buddy. It's a figure of speech, 70. Seven is perfection. 70 times seven just shows that there's no limit. There's no end to it. Verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay... His Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. This guy owes him a whole lot of money. This is one of his top servants, been entrusted with a lot of stuff. And he owes him a lot of money, and he's got nothing to pay back that debt. He, has, he is unable, he is incapable of paying back what he owes. And so, this king says, well, I'm going to you know, we'll, you know, make cut my losses here. I'll sell you and your family and whatever I get for you. At least I got something there. The servant, verse 26, therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. Just give me a little more time. You know, give me a little more time, and I'll, and I'll pay you back. I promise. I promise. Just give me a little bit more time, and I'll pay back everything I owe. Verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. He had mercy on him. He was moved with compassion. He felt bad for the guy. The guy got through to him. And he loosed him and did what? Forgave him the debt. He didn't just give him more time, did he? No. no. He forgave the debt. Did, the, did that guy pay him back? No. no. He didn't pay him back. He just forgave the debt. Okay. You know, I know you're never going to pay me back. You know, who are you kidding? But I'm a softie. You know, I'll just forgive it. We'll just wipe the slate clean. I'll just pardon that debt. You don't owe me anything. That's what he did. Did that guy deserve it? No. Did he pay back? No. no, the debt was just pardoned. Even today... Sometimes they'll do that. They will pardon a debt. That word is used, right? right? We keep reading. Verse 28. But the same servant, that same guy, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. There he goes. You know, speaking of owing people, why, that guy there, he owes me a hundred bucks. I'm going to go out, and he grabs him, grabs him by the throat. You can just see it. He says, boy, you better pay me, or I'm going to you know, break your legs. Verse 29, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Verse 30, and he would not. 
but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Throws him into debtor's prison. He doesn't forgive that debt. He throws this guy in prison because he owes him money. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. This is like, this isn't right. Look at what's happened here. And they go and tell the king what's gone on. Verse 32. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I pity, had pity on thee? I forgave you all that debt just because you asked me to, just because I had pity on you. Shouldn't you have done the same? Shouldn't you have done the same? What's this an illustration of? Is this an illustration of how to handle financial affairs? No. No. It's an illustration of forgiveness. It's an illustration of forgiveness. A debt and a trespass are shown to be on the same level here, as they are with the Lord's Prayer and the record of Matthew versus Luke, that in the one place it talks about forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are debtors to us. The other place, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, a trespass is a debt. It's a debt. You didn't, you, you didn't do something. You didn't pay back. You did not give what you should have in that situation. We're to owe love. Well, it goes on to say, and his Lord was wroth, verse 34, and delivered him to the tormentors that he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. If Here it says, if you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. But there's a lot more to that that we need to understand. You can't bring me down, no word is on my mind. 